And where it comes down to, I would say, first of all, is listening to your employees, understanding your employees better in general and being kind of on the skin and pulse of your employees. That's how I approach this thing. So I have to mention here, we just changed even our engagement survey to a new one. It's called sickness survey. Uh, and why we did this is really to be more on the level that we actually really get the correct data to understand our employees better. So that's what Sigma is really concentrating on. And, and we just came to realize on this that we have to be better also doing the surveys and the data that we get that correct. But also to concentrate on the learning and development, which we were talking earlier here too. So making careers visible, making the kind of expectations clear, and what are the like learning and development opportunities in general to be better and, and develop yourself further with your session. So that has been also our focus this year. And as I mentioned, the leadership programs and all that. So for some, I think that really is an engagement metrics that we can follow too. And, and, and having them longer with our journey when we are making it visibly, how important really their part is in this role. And, and making clarity to everyone's role towards the mission and company's goals. So, and then yes, the manager. So you said it so nice that you know people lead if they're not trained and they're not able to lead their team members better. So mm. they do play a vital role role in this too. And of course, we are concentrating on the benefits and mental well-being and all the other things that you mentioned there to internal communication and engagement on a team levels but that right. will need another topic then <laughs> hi folks laura bibby here head of growth at seed um, i'm back with another episode of our scaling so far podcast where we have candid conversations about scaling and building teams with some of the brightest minds in the startup and scale-up space Really delighted to introduce our wonderful guest today, Tina Hatavita. Tina is HR Director for Musician, a Helsinki-based startup and the world's largest music educator. I think they're reaching currently about 20 million monthly users, um, maybe even more now. So Tina, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Hi there, lovely to be here and pronunciation of my last name was totally correct. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I did, um, I took a pause before and thought, yeah, let's go for it. So no, good, good to hear it as close to, close to correct. Um, yeah, good to be here. <laughs> brilliant. And, and for our listeners, Tina, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your story? So yeah, so I'm Tina Hattavirta, as Laura said it correctly. I'm first of all mother for three kids uh, and a plus one dog, 14 year old dog we have too. I did have like a past, I would say 13 years experience in HR and mainly I have been in startups and scale ups and growth companies and really doing HR for growing up and scaling and building these amazing companies and their cultures. So I would say I'm a strategy builder and a company culture believer strongly, if I said correctly. Nice. Yeah, I like that. And uh, definitely someone after my own heart with the uh, company culture builder as well. So, um, so now you're HR director at Musician. What's the company's mission and vision? So Yusuf's mission is to make musicality as common as literacy. 
And our wisdom is that in the future, most people can play an instrument and will actually regularly do so. I would say that we are a very mission-driven company. We strongly believe also in the scientific proven fact that music really has this positive impact on people's cognitive, mental, and general health in, in as, as a whole. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, it seems like a very mission-driven company. And and something I think that, um, yeah, we probably all could have done a, a lot more of over the last year. Everyone was sort of uh, throughout the pandemic getting new hobbies. So, yeah, I bet the platform really took off then. And you joined just over a year ago, didn't you? Yeah, that's actually correct. It's almost day to day today. So it would be tomorrow, so the 24th, when <laughs> I have my anniversary with the assistant. And yeah, it's yeah. been an exciting journey. Oh, happy anniversary for tomorrow. <laughs> so Thank you for that. We timed this perfectly. So um, what have the last 12 months looked like for Usician? You raised, was it $28 million uh, Series B in April uh, this year? What has that meant for you from a, a talent and a people perspective? So yes, we did. We are so happy and so excited about this investment round we did. I think I'm probably saying that we had the coolest investors who really strongly believe in us to commercial a little. So we have the MPL Ventures, Zunga, Amazon, Alexa found to name just a few. And, and we are super excited about the journey ahead. And I think the belief that the investors have to us, it's also exciting us even more to be part of this journey. Yeah, uh, to me and to my team as well. So I think now is the time to really speed it up and, mm. and do the growth journey. And it means a lot new members to join our band. So a lot of you new musicians will join our band in the near future. And if you check up our website today, there are like past 25 open roles for both locations, New York and Helsinki. And that's basically what it means. So a really heavy contribution from our talent acquisition team to get these roles filled with the best talent for us. And then, of course, on the other hand, if I think about my team, so the HR, so we are really trying to deliver according to our talent strategy now for the future and mm -hmm. internal development, learning and developing possibilities. And yeah, it does also mean new members to our backstage team, as we call our HR team at the moment. So yeah, a lot to be do done and, and that's what we're working on. And I, I love the fact that you call um, your team your band and your backstage team as well. That's that's really cool. It sounds like you've got a, um, yeah, I think just a, a pretty cool culture. So very, very interesting. Hopefully we'll cover that a little bit later. But so what, you know, that growth journey, you, how, how, um, how many people were there when you started? We were a little bit above 100 when I started. So during my time, we have recruited more than, I think the number, correct number was 37 new band members. So quite uh -huh. heavily growth last year and the same numbers are going to happen this year too. So yes, we are scaling up. And then, as you said, the culture is there. So we do call our new joiners and newbies to our band. And we are called Backstage Team, which means the office talent acquisition and HR in general so yes yeah. that's our backstage bad <laughs> love it. absolutely love it and you've got a ton of experience um in HR specifically for the likes of Ideen and Helen more recently um just prior to musician 
whether from musician or from from your roles before then, what have some of your biggest learnings been when it comes to HR, recruitment, people practices? What have those uh, what have those learnings been? So as we started with the culture, so well, I would totally say the company culture and really understanding how huge of an impact it really has to everything, I would say. I know it's a bit of cliche to say that culture really is the strategy for lunch, but I have seen this in action in so many times. And the yeah. key, if I had to kind of dig in, the, like what is really the key, I would say, to understanding the culture and how big of a part it really plays to everything. Are you designing the onboarding process or are you planning on the strategy in nature or a bigger like a change uh, strategy or, or even the people you want to bring in? So I think the culture is really the key element in everything that we, we really do. And yeah. understanding it deeper. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And like we had a discussion, um, we've had, a few different discussions in the past about sort of hiring for culture ad versus hiring for culture fit and you know what's the right terminology there and how you build your culture as a startup and scale up and obviously when you're at that smaller stage it's so important um because it makes a huge impact um you can't really you can't hide it you can't hide when it goes wrong as well so do you guys how how do you really build um sort of the importance of culture into say your hiring practices yeah so as we are looking for new band members we have just renewed our recruitment process and how does it really so that with us with musician now and for the future we are really trying to educate our band members and everyone every musician to be more better feedback keepers for example so this is part of our culture so we do have these elements already there in the hiring process to show that and I think the other element that I would like to bring in here is that we really want to give the candidates possibility to really interact with the team members they would be belonging to so they can also make the choice better that is this a team I want to belong to is this the kind of hiring manager whose team uh, I want to join and and on that because it's always like you bring one new one to the company the culture changes a bit even if you don't think about that but it really does so yeah. Everybody has to be on the same path and kind of not, sh- not sharing the same values, but respecting the same values and working with the same values and, and yeah. really making it to their own. So I think mm-hmm. those are important parts there. Brilliant. And I like the fact that you touched on as well there, like it, it's respecting the same values and interpreting it those the values in a way that resonates with that individual, right? Because, you know, it, it's having the core of the value maintained but actually it, it will always be that the, the individual interprets it and you know their behaviors show it in different ways than another person does and yeah that's where it, the culture sort of evolves over time right exactly and the values as itself like I think they need to involve as well so when we established our values it was a way back and now we have to revisit them again you know maybe on a yearly basis or every other year at least so that they will keep up you know the evolve and on a positive way because I would hate that they're just values who are just like because they need to be values they really need to be living alive with us with musicians and every musicians too yeah 
And if you feel that they need to evolve and change, then act on that, get feedback. And yeah, no, that's super interesting. So on the flip side of that, um, obviously the greatest, the greatest learnings, is there any advice out there that you've heard or, you know, something that you've come across that actually you'd recommend people totally avoid when it comes to sort of HR recruitment and people practices like myths you think might need to be dispelled um, especially for startups and scale-ups yeah so I think something that I hear constantly all the time some aroundings and from the colleagues of mine from other companies like HR is just a cost you know HR is the one always asking for more budget and I really well actually it is somehow true <laughs> but but on the other hand like how much business impact HR can have to revenue so is it just a cost or you know it's a both-sided thing as well and I just had a discussion with my colleague that uh, if we onboard keep employees longer with us how much do we do savings in a way? So is HR just a cost? Yeah. And I know all the CFOs who I've been working with in my past, and now, of course, I'm always asking for more budget still, but is it just a cost or is it also returned to the revenue somehow on a positive note? Yeah. Maybe that's, that's a one thing. And then also another thing that I have come across, and I think we talk it in the forums of HR mainly, is that, there are companies who say that we are really like putting our people's first and they are the greatest assets for the company and still the HRs are not presented in the leadership team or in the top management. Yeah. So I'm always in this discussion discussing about how is the message then received by the employees. Like if you say that people first and you are the greatest asset and then there's no HR presented in the leadership team. So it kind of be very mixed feelings uh, in this sense. Yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah, definitely. And I think there are lots of companies out there who, yeah, as you say, say that, <laughs> but actually in practice, um, it's just not the case. And I think it's, um, I, it's almost that it's being said as like a vanity metric as, yeah. you know, how do we attract people? We'll, we'll tell them that we care about them a lot. <laughs> Yes. Um, like yeah you can say that it's similar to the values piece everyone says you know you have your values and put them on a poster on a wall they mean nothing if you don't behave in a way that aligns to your values or if your people don't agree with them like you it's you you can say one thing but actually you've got to show through your behaviors your processes your practices your priorities as a business that people are actually coming first. And yeah, I think it's a really interesting point to make. And, and I think your point about HR is a cost as well. I think much more companies are realizing that HR and talent need to be a product of your business, similar to the way that you invest in your product roadmap or your sales and marketing or your go-to-market strategy. I think we might've touched on this a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, like, this is a core function of your business it's a machine it's an engine like you need to invest in that um otherwise your wheels are going to fall off and <laughs> yeah it's just yeah i i think that looking at hr as a cost is is a is a big myth so one to definitely be dispelled yeah. and yeah without people your business is nothing so <laughs> that's, that's a return on investment i'd say 
<laughs> yeah, I would totally have to agree on this. And I use it like I mentor some like, really junior HRs and, and the first thing that they ask me, like, how do I make you know them understand that we are not just the cause, we really are bringing the value and we are really business critical. So I think talking about the return for your investment, if you do the recruitment or onboarding and, you know, you hold employees longer. So yeah, that's usually an eye opener for, for many. So yeah. that's a good really what you'd advise in terms of like yeah if people out there are thinking how do I how do I prevent my my senior stakeholders in in looking at it like this you would say look at it in in terms of return on investment and present present the data I suppose yeah yeah I'm I, I love data so if you can solve really the numbers you know like if we have someone who's being onboarded for nine months and then becomes productive instead of someone being onboarded for three months and already then becomes productive so what is then the cost and, and return so I think yeah. those discussions are very important and then there are business leaders who have never thought about this kind of side of HR so just to have the like honest discussion and put some figures there so that usually is showing that you know HR is thinking about the business and HR is thinking about the you know budget etc so that's that's usually one nice way to go brilliant I love it and presenting that data like over communicating it almost (laughs) you might not but here it is I'm giving it to you anyway (laughs) and lovely you know those curve drives or excels to be used on the side too so (laughs) that is the biggest weapon you can have exactly that's awesome um so for yourself and and for the team at Musician what is on the talent agenda over the coming say six to twelve months what are you really doubling down on yeah, well, uh, we have made the talent strategy, so there are a few things that we are tackling from there. So we have been heavily concentrating on the learning and development now in general for the spring and really focusing on the leadership development and leadership programs. So mm-hmm. definitely that. I even got a headcount to be hired to my team to be concentrating on the learning and development. I'm so happy to be having this work done and now running programs to educate our people leads, so to say. Yeah. Uh, new normal, we all hate that word probably now already, but the hybrid ways of working, which we have chosen, we are just about to launch our first pilot, how we're going to run our uh, working ways in the in the future so definitely that and we had this checkpoint of three months trying it out and then revisiting was this the working model for us and then maybe doing some changes and of course that means a lot of a lot of work for my team and changes too and yeah. then the third thing on my table today at least was the employee branding so as we have quite nice brand as a musician but we have been barely very little working on our employer brand so that is something that we are just about to finalize our strategy and then the legal delivery starts time so nice that's going to be our concentration there brilliant and that learning and development piece and the um you know leadership development and ways of working that all ties into your employer brand right it's all part of definitely your people promise so that's awesome and I think leadership development as well is something that sometimes startups and scale-ups do forget about they don't tend to prioritize like actually your people will develop as long as your leaders keep developing and you can, I, I think that can sometimes be forgotten about you know you'll roll out a learning and development program for your individual contributors to upskill them but actually 
at the same time, you need to be upskilling um, those more senior in the org as well. So yeah, brilliant that you're you're rolling that out already. Definitely, and that was our like decision that we really made. That yes, we do learning and development and a company level for everyone individually in different areas of our you know company functions but we mm. do now concentrate on our people it's development in all the levels so yeah. definitely exactly how you describe that's what we're working on now it's awesome and musician as we said earlier is a really mission-driven company and it definitely sounds it as well and it's something I'm sure a lot of people could get behind um what kind of talent are you after as a company and and how do you really go about attracting and engaging that talent so we are after the top talent who are keen on working with a company that really has a high growth ambitious goals and has an impact to more than 20 million users on a monthly basis as I said in the beginning too so after employees who are very different from our background, uh, from many aspects, so education, experience, know-how, uh, I think we have a quite nice diverse team already and building it even stronger. That's our like way of working together. We really value that we are all different and unique and bringing that together. So yeah, and then most of the roles that we have open, they are on a tech field. So our engineering area is growing heavily, but we are looking for band members to my backstage product, legal and marketing too. So scaling up really fast on a headcount too, I would say. And mm. uh, yeah, we are trying to look for the best talent for us now and in the future too. So really for this growth mindset I have to underline too. So yeah. someone who's seeking possibilities to grow with the company as the company grows together. So there are ambitious yeah. goals. And do they have to be passionate about music? Is that a prerequisite or? That's a nice question, actually. I get asked that a lot. No, they don't. And me, myself, so... Music is not my core skill, definitely. I'm happy to be surrounded with like, let's say almost professional musicians, but yeah. no, that's not our like agenda on the recruitment meetings that you are, what, what instrument are you playing, Laura? That's what we ask, <laughs> but definitely the music is in our DNA. So I, I think everybody with musician likes music and we like to hear bands playing and we are really keen on the artistry who we're working with and so on and so forth. And of course we have this lovely app that we can try and <laughs> try to yeah. work on. <laughs> Even I'm playing my ukulele with our musician app at the moment. So I think I know, that's not a criteria. <laughs> brilliant no that's cool I just I, I feel like people listening would want to know that so I uh, thought I'd better cover it off so there's a lot of talk about retention issues following the pandemic obviously um, it's been an incredibly tough period for plenty of people out there uh, well, for the entire world really um, I think some people are calling it the great attrition uh, or something like that I don't know why we feel the need to name everything but uh, probably a whole other topic to dig into but Really, when it boils down to it, I think we we just need to think about how we're looking after our teams, right? As as humans, um, as humans and as as team members, and I suppose that's from a compensation, benefits, progression, well being perspective. Um, there are tons of layers to that, of course. What's your approach to that, at musician? It does. I know we we're just talking about being a people first company, but it does sound like a people first company. Oh yeah, so many layers it does have, really many layers. 
where it comes down to, I would say, first of all, is listening to your employees, understanding your employees better in general and being kind of on the skin and also of your employees. That's how I approach this thing. So I have to mention here, we just changed even our engagement survey to a new one. It's called sickness survey. Uh, and why we did this is really to be more on the level that we actually really get the correct data to understand our employees better. So that's what Signi is really concentrating on. And, and we just came to realize on this that we have to be better also doing the surveys and the data that we get that correct. Yeah. Uh, for us at Musician, as you mentioned, so we do put people first and uh, not just preparing to this turnover tsunami as some call it <laughs> so we have had our talent objectives and key results for 2021 already to decrease our employee return rate mm. so we have had this earlier and I think that you said that we are a mission driven that's already for our benefit and we really are that people see that from the day one they meet with us on the recruitment they will see that we talk about our mission quite heavily and it's really present there as we work but also to concentrate on the learning and development which we were talking earlier here too so making careers visible making the kind of expectations clear and what are the like learning and development opportunities in general to be better and, and develop yourself further with your session. So that has been also our focus this year. And as I mentioned, the leadership programs and all that. So for some, I think that really is an engagement metrics that we can follow to and, and, and having them longer with our journey when we are making it visibly, how important really their part is in this role. And, and making clarity to everyone's role towards the mission and the company's goals. So yeah. that's what we are concentrating on. And okay. then, yes, the manager. So you said it's so nice that, you know, people lead, if they're not trained and they're not able to lead their team members better. So mm. they do play a vital role, role in this too. And of mm. course, we are concentrating on them benefits and mental well-being and all the other things that you mentioned there to internal communication and engagement on a team levels but that yeah. will need another topic then <laughs> I could talk about that for ages I think <laughs> no it's so important because I think then this is um this is something that I'm passionate about personally it's <sighs> It's the little things that are actually big things, things like internal communication and transparency and readily available training and information. And like they're they're almost like a net, a net of sort of employee experience and engagement that if you don't have one of them, there's a hole in your net and people will fall through. So it's really about like keeping that as strong as you can. So I think maybe people can trip up and not prioritize some of those things enough and think oh we'll do that next year but actually it's it's in combination that they're strongest um if that makes sense <laughs> yeah it does and that's exactly why we changed our engagement survey to know how we can reprioritize some things for the next year as yeah. you said so really understanding what your employees are expecting now and what is the most important to be having now or fixing now to a better condition so the data yeah. you need the data there yes and how how often 
do you survey your employees because I know some people would think what's too much like do I do it uh once every six months do I do it once a week is that too much do I do it once a month so like how how often are you guys doing it so at the moment this question is really like on spot on because I think our employees would say like, oh my God, there's a survey every other day coming to me from somewhere. And I think we have done it a little bit over in the past and now we're trying to simplify everything and we're going to go to this model of having sick knee once a year, but follow up on quarterly basis that what are we doing? What are we achieving? And on besides, we're going to have, you know, wellness surveys. So there's still going to be many surveys, but not maybe so many, not every day having something to answer to. So it will be a big relief for musicians in the, in the future. And possibly as alternatives, people can look at doing focus groups, right? Like if, if there's yes. something you really want to deep dive into, um, get a cohort of your people in a room and have a very open transparent conversation with them and that can be super valuable because you might hear things that people wouldn't want to say in a survey um they might they might be a bit more open so yeah you could always do different methods of feedback <laughs> definitely and again here I have to name the team leads the people leads they get so much feedback that is so important for us then to be delivered to our backstage team and then we can work on it together so really yeah. good point so on that, this is a side question, but do you, with your teams that are managers, managing your individual contributors, do you have regular meetings with them as an HR function to, to enable that feedback and, and the flow of communication? So at the moment, yes, we do. We have monthly get-togethers and we have monthly meetings. So at least twice uh, twice a month, they will have something together run by HR. And we do like HR business partnering too with them. So then we can go deeper and concentrate trust on their teams. But these yeah. monthly get-togethers are the importance to bring the team leads, the people leads together to share their experience and bring up issues which might be, you know, your issue and your colleagues issue too, but it just didn't come up this month, it will come out next month. So really have this concentration on few topics that can be outspoken and there's no pre-agenda on these other meetings too. And then what we did and tried out, we had these lead bodies. So we paired every people lead together with someone else so they can have these few topics that they need to discuss between these monthly meetings. And of course, they can have free sparring on the side. Yeah. Then on that way, we also stay in loop because they have to contribute back to the monthly get togethers too. Yeah. So that's how we work. Yeah, that sounds great because that's, that's like sort of peer to peer mentorship, right? So exactly. have somebody that to almost like lean on and as you say spar and exchange ideas and yeah brilliant the people who are yeah on the floor doing yeah in similar similar roles so awesome and I saw that musician offer auntie um mental well-being support for, for your people and firstly it's brilliant that you not only have a focus on this topic as a company but also that you're providing that level of support for your people and um, sometimes employee well-being initiatives like this might seem quite daunting for business leaders. How did you go about rolling something like Auntie out for your team? And, and what do you feel the impact has been for, for your people and, and for musicians so far? Yeah, first of all, Auntie is a brilliant cooperation partner for us in such a great company and such a good timing for him to be you know, helping us throughout the pandemic when we started this cooperation. 
Yeah. Uh, actually, so we saw like early signs on our employees' well-being and mental well-being already when I started a year ago with your system. And there was also a healthcare data that was showing the sick leave absences on the kind of mental sides too, and the number was increasing. So uh, we needed to do some actions there. And we also had the feedback from our team, these who I'm talking all the time about, but getting the direct feedback from their team members and their well, mental well-being or well-being in general. So this was very clear for our leadership team what we needed to do. And kind of when I was proposing that we might have someone to cooperate and it's really like early preventing actions not the things to escalate on the next level so what we can prevent with warranty and how much they can offer us a support on that and before people go on to sick leave or to the healthcare provider so before they get really sick yeah. and and when I brought it up to our leadership team everybody was fully supportive so that was kind of very easy approach on that way so I did yeah. have again the number of data the sick leave dates and kind of the feedback that we had been collecting and also we have this idea how we can make it better or how we can pilot at least something and and that's how we started so we piloted on and I would say the feedback from our users of Onti service was excellent. So if I remember correctly, the average user for Onti was saying like nine out of them, the feedback of their users, but with UC it was 9.11. So our users really appreciated their like professional help and really strongly started to recommend to everybody within musicians. So we had some early provers who were you know brave enough to start and take the first steps and then they started to speak about it and then you know the rest of the band started joining and uh, if I have to talk about the impact so I can see the sick leave dates again so if I look at them the early early this year and towards the spring this year the number is really half so it has to be because of the cooperation on in some level, at least on those sick leave days. And, and in general, I think what Onti has brought to us, it's a benefit that we can offer for both location, which is lovely, of course, it's equal treatment. And also that this topic of mental well-being, it's not a taboo anymore. So people have opened it up and they talk about it that more so how to measure that impact that I don't know how to measure but I think the impact is huge there too and sometimes you like I know you love data I love data (laughs) but sometimes these things just can't and actually don't need to be measured like it is it comes out in different ways and it might be that actually performance of teams have increased and yeah it's I think it has the potential to have a huge impact and more than anything it's taking a very humanistic approach to your people and you know looking after your well-being is should be a priority and as a company you're giving them the tools to to help them to do that and I love the fact that as you're saying it's more preventative and proactive as opposed to we've hit a crisis and it's too late um because yeah I, I mean we were uh, on a separate point I was talking about this topic to to somebody else and the fact that with well-being, you can't anticipate that, you know, tomorrow you're going to actually feel really low and, and, and non-productive. It just happens. What is important is finding ways to 
to to prevent it and to be proactive about it and to to manage with with certain emotions and stress and stuff like that so no it's fantastic that you you've rolled something like auntie out and um yeah really really impressed i'll have to what i'll do is i'll put a link um to the platform in our um right bio or the the episode information the episode notes so and i'll do it to the other platform that you mentioned earlier as well just so people can find them Jeez. easily awesome and a couple of questions to close slightly more light-hearted and um yeah we'll we'll jump into them so is there anything that you are super passionate about that you really find joy in um it can be professional personal both of course <laughs> so both goes to this same topic i would say i'm passionate about people i really find everybody super interesting how they see the world and how they behave and then like when you put people together as a group how they then behave and what's kind of the impact that people can have as a group so like one plus one they're not two there's three or something and I think that's very interesting in very many different angles I would say uh, more personal life so I love good food and wine with family and friends so I don't know if I'm hitting a middle age crisis or something but I do love the running outdoors and skiing in the winter so all these four seasons that we have in, in Finland I find them nowadays amazing and then sports that go with it so I would say that people and sports and good you know free time activities yeah nice no that sounds Pretty similar to the stuff that I love, <laughs> including the wine. <laughs> so, no, that's awesome. And is there a thought or a value or phrase that you live by, Tina? Yeah, I was thinking of this question, and the first thing that came to my mind is like, smile. It's contagious, and and I think it's really positive. So. I always try to find the positive out of everything, even though sometimes it's super hard and challenging and sometimes you don't even find the positiveness. After many years, it can pop to your mind that, okay, there was this positive side, but I really, really try to always find the positiveness. And I think smiling around, that's a nice kind of like pilot exercise or research to do. If you start like heavily smiling and you do that all day, how many smiles you get back? It's amazing. So like the babies, they learn to smile when they see their mothers and fathers and nearbys, you know, smiling towards them. I think the same kind of impact it has when you go around the office and smile a lot or you're in the yeah. bus nowadays with the, you know, face mask. But, you know, back in the days when you are without the face mask, you were smiling, like how many smiles you get back. So maybe there's a little piece of like positiveness that, that comes to yeah. everyone's mom, you know, mind and, and day yeah. in that place. And then I think professionally, one phrase that I, I think I repeat it like weekly basis. So treat the others like you would like to be treated, like in the common sense of every situation. If you really think about that, you would be the one who you're trying to deliver this message. How would you like to be receiving that? So I think that's a good phrase to keep in your mind. So yeah that there are actually two phrases that i i love as well and i think that <laughs> thinking about yeah how would you uh, it's so important especially like when you're thinking about um interacting with people is like well, how would i like to receive this information how would i like to be treated in this situation um because yeah you should be looking after yourself so you should look after other people so and i actually there was um 
I really love Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> he's uh, he's one of my all time heroes. But he did um, an episode with uh, of one of his shows with a lady who um, I can't think where she was, but she essentially started every day when she woke up, she'd sit up, have a stretch, and just beam from side to side, like just smile, give herself the biggest smile. And she said that the impact that that's had on her day, just giving her that herself that moment to smile and be positive has has been huge. So, yeah, I think smiling is uh, yeah definitely something that I think can affect you and it can, can affect others around you as well. So thank yeah. you for doing those. Um, and just to close up, is there a people leader, a founder or a source of inspiration that you have, someone that you admire or that has a unique sort of impactful approach to, to scaling, especially from a people perspective? So now we spoke about Auntie so much. So I have to, of course, mention their co-founder, Mel. She's amazing as a leader, as a founder, and like how mm. she does her leadership towards her team and what they have been able to achieve. I think we all have a lot to learn, learn from her on that. And I, I, I would definitely have to mention Mel Lampinen and... And of course, I have to mention my mentor, Stephen Thoma, ex-Google HR and learning and development. So I have a privilege to work with him and I have learned so much. I just adore him in many ways. So, so right. yeah, so grateful for him. Awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll maybe link up to those, those LinkedIn profiles as well. So amazing tina thank you so much i am gutted to have to wrap this up it's been a, it's a, been such a pleasure speaking with you today um and and talking about your approach um the approach that yourself and and your backstage band is that what you call them That's <laughs> um, my backstage yes <laughs> band at musician yeah it's really brilliant to hear more about your scaling journey and i think it's it's really evident that you are a company that actually does have a people first approach. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, it's just been great to hear about some of your focuses, you know, your talent strategy, learning and development and, and leadership development as well. And especially the sort of inclusive approach that your team have um, bringing different experiences together. I think what my, one of my biggest takeaways is like how data driven actually you you are as an organization and and in your function as well as an HR leader and actually you're data driven but you very much have an iterative approach as well which is hugely critical for startups and scale-ups right because you are you are this sort of core that then does grow into something bigger and you you can't restrict that growth you do have to have your foundations and then iterate as you go and even the fact that I think you said you're rolling out, um, you, you're rolling out something and then reviewing it after three months. Like it's just that approach, which I think is, is really brilliant. We have this piloting mentality. I don't know if it comes from the tech side that, you know, you can pilot things and it's not doomed if it doesn't like scale or fly and we can revisit and check it again and do something different and, and get the feedbacks and then move again to the next level. So and yeah. that was very privileged to be working, working there and having this amazing funding coming in, of course, to help us, you know, do, do more cooperations with all the yeah. et cetera. So that's a really, really yeah. nice environment at the moment. Thank you so much for sharing so many awesome insights with us um, and for your openness as well throughout. It's really appreciated.
Thank you, Laura. This was a lovely chat with you. And, and hopefully I could give in something new for others who are listening. And lovely to give those insights. Thank <laughs> you.